Open your Bibles, please, to the book of Acts. If I do this enough, you'll know that's you're supposed to respond. The book of Acts. Yes, the series that we are in is called The Spirit-Filled Church. And my ribbon, ribbon was not in the right place in the Biblia. All right, so Acts chapter 13 is where we are. And let's one more time again remember our two fundamental goals as we're going through this series is we want to learn what it meant so that we can live what it means. means. You should say it with more, you know, gusto. All right, so let's read. Today we're going to read all three verses of the first part of Acts 13. Giving you, a, I know it's giving you because last week there was 24 verses, and you're like, Oh no, can't do that again, can't endure. So we kind of average it out, and so you get, you know, less. But here we go. So, three verses, but these are exciting. But we have to, this is just a, such an important pericope in the passage. All right, you ready? Now, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch. Uh, it looks like some of that language, even though it, it may not have, it doesn't equate exactly, that language could have been he was a foster brother of Herod the Tetrarch. You should go, oh, ooh, it were, ooh, really interesting. Okay, and Saul. While, we were, while, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Sometimes preachers, you ever hear preachers say, well, I feel God in this place. They say something like that. And what they mean is they're, they're aware of an unction. And, I, I'm a, and, and we always are aware of the presence of the Lord. But I want to give you a heads up. Something is stirring. Uh, and we're going to land this thing, but the Lord has your number. Okay. I'm, I, I might get a little bit distracted. Uh, but only three verses. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off the spirit filled church sends now i don't know if this i don't see the problem is i don't know who it would resonate with but in my notes it actually says the spirit filled church goes full send but only some people are like what does that mean but i know and i'm like that's what it means so i kept texting people full send full send to see if anybody would follow me today but anyway the spirit filled church sends everybody say sends what, okay, let's talk about what it meant. What did it meant? Uh, and and uh, we're going to just go through it a little bit, little pieces at a time, because the little pieces that, ex- that are exciting, and I think that are just, we got to grab onto them. He starts off, Luke starts off with, now in the church at Antioch. <gasps> Woo! Post-Pentecost, believers 
uh, are called, they're, they're believers when they gather, they're, they're being called the church. Now, every time we have heard this idea of the church, for the most part, it's been around Jerusalem. That's kind of made sense, right? Jerusalem, the mother church, the, the headquarters, the epicenter, right? Uh, Jerusalem. So it's, it's exciting. But, but now we have the same term. And, I, and it may not be ex- as exciting as I, as, I, as I feel, but I'm wanting you to be more excited about it. The same term, the same thing, the same name, the church at Jerusalem. Oh, that makes sense. Now that same term, not different, not less than, not junior varsity, that same church, that same name is now located in Antioch. Oh, Antioch. What? Antioch, the city of sin, the city of licentiousness, the city with the strip that's like, like Las Vegas, right? The city, this, this cosmopolitan, unchurched, unqualified, uh, you wouldn't guess, but now this place has something called the church. Wow. And it's recognized just the same as in Jerusalem. Just the same, the church, but now not, it's not just in Jerusalem. Now we have the church at Antioch. And this place, and we read it already, this amazing thing. And if you know anything about what's going to happen next, you realize that what happened just now changed the course of planet Earth. It changed the course of civilization on the planet. It set in motion churches and campaigns and ministries and people and generations. And it all happened in a church, in the church at Antioch. And if it can be true in that licentious, unchurched strip in Antioch, then the church in Vancouver can do the same thing. It's the, we are the church. Somebody should say we are the church. And you ought to be happy about it. You ought to be just a little bit proud about it. You ought to be good giddy about it. Don't, don't be embarrassed. Don't, don't take any slack talk from nobody. You're the church of the living God. You're the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you carry the hope of the earth. You, the church. Now, we also have in a literary sense the rise of the church at Antioch and the fading, the gentle fading of the church in Jerusalem. Oh, she'll come back around. We'll hear from her. But in Luke's story, that's the church at Antioch that's going to become the catalyst for missionary movement around the world. Ooh, so exciting. Now, in that church, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menaean, and Saul. Prophets and teachers, ooh, that kind of sounds like there must have been super special, like the Avengers, Thor and Hulk were at Antioch. Wow. But this is not super special people. This is just regular people. Regular people who are ministering under the infilling and the influence of the Holy Spirit. When this talks about prophets, it just means that there, there are, these are covenant callers. These are people that are urging fidelity to Jesus, that are, that, are, that are speaking to people the immediate heart of God in a way that encourages, in a way that, that strengthens and encourages them and comforts them. And teachers, people that are talking about truth and helping people live it out. Prophets and teachers, is that this is the church that is hearing from heaven but living on earth. It's so important that we try to remove the, the, the glaze of the spectacular. Because if we, if we leave the glaze of spectacular on there, we will distance ourselves from this ministry of prophets and teachers. 
But if we recognize, we can, we, can re, we can let go of the glaze of the spectacular and still embrace the anointing of the Spirit on the regular, on folks like you and me. This is the Spirit-filled church, hearing from heaven and living on earth. And then Luke gives us this story, Barney, Bibbidi-Bop, Bibbidi-Bop, and Saul. Now, Barney and Saul are going to become the, the central figures in Luke's agenda. Other people were also there. Say other people. Other people. Now, this, but Barnabas, Barnabas and Saul are part of Luke's story. But that doesn't mean that everybody else wasn't still part of God's story. And this is what you need to hear. Your name may not be recorded in the history books, but it is known in heaven. There, they, if you, you, you may not be a part of someone else's specific story they're telling, but you are part of the story that God is telling. Yeah. And your names are important, and your callings are important, and your life has a purpose and a mission. But this is Luke's story, so he's going to emphasize on these fellers. And so let's, let's listen to what he wants to tell us. And while they, the church, were worshiping the Lord and fasting, while they were worshiping, while they were ministering to the Lord, again, this is not something unusual. This is where we get our term liturgy. They were just doing their, they were just regularly worshiping the Lord. They're, this is something they did often and on the regular. And they were fasting. They were fasting. Well, for what? What, was they, what were they trying to get from God? What, 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 what was the breakthrough? Were they trying to get more anointment? Were they trying to? No. Luke doesn't give us any other agenda but worship. And here's what we need to sort of drink from in, as when we're looking at the New Testament in particular. We're reading in the, about the Spirit-filled church. The role of fasting in the Spirit-filled church is not necessarily to go into a hunger strike with God in order to get something. All right, God, I really want something. I'm not eating it till you get me, give it to me. Well, all right. But some of you going to be like, you can wait, so can I. <laughs> no, fasting is an act of worship. It is the setting aside of my time and my energy and my agenda and a refocusing of my agenda, my affection, and my appetite on the presence of the Lord. It is an act of of worship and we just need to it's important that we lean into this is the church their only agenda is worship they were just ministering to the lord and while they were the holy spirit said set apart for me barnabas and saul for the work which i have called them the holy spirit speaks how many are glad the holy spirit speaks how does he speak? Was it an audible voice? Luke probably would have told us if it were an audible voice, but we should listen to what he already told us. In the church, there were prophets and teachers. There were people who were regularly leaning into the voice of the Lord, saying, Lord Jesus, what do you want to say or do for the people around us today? And just listening and responding. And you know what it probably sounded like? Again, I have to kind of lean into and sort of anthropologize the text a little bit, kind of step in there, imagine us being there. But it probably, it probably sounded like two or three people responding. Like, like Lauren saying, you know, I, I feel like I have a picture. <laughs> Maybe she saw a picture of something. Some, someone else, you know, identified Barnabas. Someone else saw and someone began to describe something. And there was this sense of two or three or four witnesses. And they understood that the Holy Spirit was speaking. He speaks to us and through us 
for us, for our good. And what did he say? Set apart for me. I love that. Set apart. Mark off. Separate unto me, but for me. Would you say for me? I love that. I love that, especially when people want to, whenever people refer to the Holy Spirit and they say it. In my classes, I stop the whole class and I shame them appropriately. <laughs> it's a lot of joy, but I do it. I say, dot, 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 stop the class. For me, the Holy Spirit, this is his church. This is his mission, and it's personal. And he calls us to himself. Ooh, I wouldn't want to do it any other way. He calls us to himself. He set them, up to, set them apart for me. His calling is, first of all, personal. And then he says this, set apart for me, Barnabas. That makes sense. We know Barney, don't we? Remember, Barney goes all the way back to Acts chapter 5. His name isn't even Barnabas. That's his nickname because he's such a swell fellow. Right? He's an encourager. First thing he does is sell property and give it to the church and bless a bunch of people. And they're like, hey, we like Barney. That's very encouraging. We should call you Barnabas, son of encouragement. Barney's been around for a while. Barney's the one who goes, and he, when, when Saul comes in, 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 in Acts 9, Saul shows up in, in Jerusalem, and they're like, oh, we don't want anything to do with him. Saul's like, no, no, it's okay. I vouch for him. In Acts chapter 11, he sees the grace of God at, 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 at Antioch, and he travels all the way to Tarsus because he thinks there's somebody, this place. That, here's the thing we pray about heritage. We always say this. Lord, would you send people to heritage that need heritage yes. and send people to heritage that heritage needs? And that's what Barney, Barney did. He's like, you know what? I know somebody who needs Antioch, and I know somebody that Antioch needs. I'm going to go get Saul and bring him here. 100 miles later, and who knows how long, he brings him there, and he's there. But so they hear, the Holy Spirit says, he's going to call, he's calling someone out, and he called, the first person is Barnabas, and that makes sense to us. He checks off all the boxes. He's generous, faithful, godly. Luke told us he's full, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. He's a good man. Woo! Barnabas! That makes sense. And the next guy, oh, now who else is the Lord going to call? Surely he's going to call Simeon. He's got a nickname. Or, or Lucius. Or maybe that fellow that grew up with Herod, you know, give us some political connection. Right? Good strategery. And the Holy Spirit says, set apart from me, Barnabas. You prove. And Saul, come again. The knuckle dragger. The knuckle dragger, riot starting, Christian killing guy. Wait, what? Barney checked off all the boxes. We don't, even, we don't even have a box to put this other guy in. Saul's history would have naturally precluded him. Everybody else's point of view, his history would have precluded him from this kind of calling. Perhaps in his own eyes, perhaps in his own heart. Perhaps Saul could have heard that and said, what do you mean me? I know all too well who I've been and what I've done. But here's what we learn as we read Paul's letters later. As he begins to understand the call of God on his life, he humbly recognizes that he was absolutely zealous for the wrong things. But he said it was that zeal that the Lord saw. It's that zeal 
See, the very thing that have made, that has, the, the very thing about you that the Lord put in you, the way the Lord hardwired you, it may very well have tripped you up. It may, have, it may have caused some friction. It may have caused some problems. It may have been, you have been, maybe you've been a little bit extra or a little bit less than. But I'm telling you what, the Lord will take who you are and he will baptize it and he will sanctify it and he will use that very thing about you. That very thing about you that's a little different or a little odd or that just doesn't quite fit or that maybe just, maybe missed it a little bit. He will use that thing about you for his purposes. I feel all this. I feel like I want to start telling personal stories, but I'm not going to do it. But I, I know that about myself. I'm a different cat. My friend Michael James, longest friend I've had in the world, he said to me 30 years ago, he said, you are the oddest ball. <laughs> he said, pal, you are the oddest ball. Not just an odd ball, the oddest. But I know, and I don't, I don't know how this is going to come across, but I'll just, I know there's been a lot of times I, don't, I didn't fit in. I didn't connect with the cool crowd. It just wasn't my thing. I, I just don't do small talk well. I, I, don't, I don't do anything. I was kind of just, but here's the thing. The Lord took it and baptized me, and, and I, get, I get to live this life that's been a little bit separate, a little bit different. And, and even, my, even my oddness, I know the Lord is used for his goodness. And if the Lord can use my oddness, uh, I mean, Captain Average with a capital A, Good at nothing. A jack of all hats. <laughs> he will sanctify what makes you you and call you and use you for his purpose. Barnabas and Saul. And yet we also should know this. We have to believe this. We, and we, It's not in the text, but it's just we know it because we experienced it and we've been taught it. And I just believe it. That it could very well be, Saul might have said, what, who, me? But also we, we kind of believe that when the Holy Spirit begins to call things out and identify, what he's doing is he's talking to something in us that he's already planted. There's probably something already in Barney and Saul that was planted, something stirring, uh, a flame that began to grow, embers, embers that began to grow white hot inside of them. And what they needed was the breath of the Holy Spirit from the community of the gathered to breathe upon them and affirm them and the call of God. Not give them permission or give them power or even give them money, but just affirm, just communicate, just affirm the grace of God upon them. He said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work. Someone say work. work. Just say it again, work. work. I, it might sound like, ooh, they got elevated. They're, now they're going to wear a robe and a hat and speak in Latin. <laughs> Gloria, Gloria. Oh, no. Listen, for the work, what, what did he call? He called them for a job. I got, I got a job yeah. for you. Set, up, set them apart for a task, not to be a different kind of class or a different kind of Christian, but for a job. These guys just had a little bit different job. So this was not an elevation, but it very much was a consecration. This was a draft. Set them apart to the work to which I have called them, called, summoned, called forth. They have, they have received orders. 
And so after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now, that either, that's one of two things. That either, they either were fasting and praying and this happened and their response to the call of the ministry of the Spirit was to just to worship and fast and pray some more. Or this, all of this happened during the time that they had set aside for fasting and prayer. And when they finished that, because that was their priority, they went on to the next thing. Either way, we, the church is still emphasizing or prioritizing ministering to the Lord, prayer, and fasting as worship and consecration. And then they placed their hands on them. What did that mean, place their hands on them? Why were they doing that? It's too early in the text or the, in the development of the church for us to talk about officers and appointing elders and all that kind of thing. Paul will do that later. We'll hear him do that. Luke will tell us. But right now, this wasn't, they weren't appointing or, or giving, assigning them an office. They weren't giving them a title yet. What were they doing? What's happening when we put hands on people? like this put your hands no no when i put my hands on brian i say what i have i share with you and brian feels these hands on him and naomi puts her, her hands and and, and sister saltwasser you can help too easy now <laughs> yeah <laughs> just, see, it's like it's youth camp hands above the hips julie <laughs> It's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah. 10 o'clock service. Yeah. Ron, this is live on video. <laughs> Sorry, John. So he, he feels these hands on him. And we say, what I have, I share with you. And who we are, who we are, we affirm with you. And ultimately what we are saying is, where you go, we go. And he feels that. He remembers hands on him. He remembers that one guy that was putting his hand on his head and shaking it too hard. But at least he remembers it. A few weeks ago, I was in a prayer meeting with the president of Northwest University. It was a big prayer meeting. Everybody was there. Yeah, woo is a good word. Everybody was there. We were praying. But Joe and I were, got to be prayer partners. Dr. Joe Castleboy, university president, puts his hand on me, and that boy from Alabama prayed for me for five minutes, and I've never been spit on more in my life. Everybody, everybody, everybody's wearing, everybody's wearing, you know, everybody's wearing trick-or-treat on their face, but this guy, he pulls it down, and he prays for me five minutes, and I got showers of blessing with an Alabama accent. But you know what? I remember what he said. I felt it. <laughs> he, was, he was praying for y'all. <laughs> and he placed their hands on them. Where you go, the church recognized and affirmed the call. I was on camera talking about Joe Castleberry. Uh, the jo Hi, Joe. Uh, somebody tell him. The joke, <laughs> that's funny. The church recognized and affirmed the call of the Holy Spirit and participated with that call by affirming and empowering and sending. And here's the Paul Harvey. We have the end of the story. We'll get there in a little while. Acts 14, verse 26. When Paul and Barnabas come back to Antioch, here's what Luke says. He describes their return, and he says that they returned to the place where they had been committed to the grace of God. Yeah. They sent the grace... That was on that place with the people they sent, who then carried that grace wherever they went. 
The spirit-filled church sends. Now, this is the flashpoint right here. This is the flashpoint for the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Right now in the text, his name is still what changes? Why does he go from Saul to, to the Apostle Paul? Does Luke record it that they, were, they voted and he, he got elected to be apostle or something? Was there an election? Was there No. What's the deal? We got, again, I want to try to remove the glaze of mystery here, simmer down a little bit. What does apostle mean? It doesn't mean boss. Doesn't mean boss. It means sent one. Sent one. Originally, the oldest, the oldest definition of apostle is cargo ship. Cargo ship. Put this thing on here. Send it. Go there. That's what apostle is. Someone who is sent with a message and a mission. Apostle. When does he become the apostle Paul? Now. When he is sent. This sending changes everything. And if you know a little bit about the rest of the story in Acts, or you know a little bit about world history, you know that this sending changes everything. Churches will be planted. Leaders will be raised up. Men and women of God will be, will be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit all around the Mediterranean. Eventually, Rome itself will be shaken with the voice of the man from grace. All of, the, of Paul's missionary journeys, all of Paul's epistolary literature that we have are because of this sending, this prayer meeting. All of the, the layers of, and systems of doctrine and ethics that the church has learned and studied and processed for 2,000 years are a result of this prayer meeting, this sending. Western civilization as we know it is a result of this few hours of prayer meeting and sending. Paul didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what was ahead. But the world would never be the same because the spirit-filled church gathered to wait upon and minister to the Lord. This Friday, I'm doing it again. We're just setting aside 10 days, prayer of ascension. What's the goal? That. Our affection and his influence. Just more. I suppose in hindsight, Contemporary church, in hindsight, if we said, if we, if we could look, we look at the story in hindsight and, and we understand the result. We, the, 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 the result was this massive world shifting change, right? If we wanted to say, okay, let's do something. Let's do something that's going to change the world. It's going to launch this whole, you know, system of ethics and doctrine and church planting and leadership and everything. If we're going to, let's, let's, what would we do first? The first thing we'd have is someone would tell us we need to have a vision statement. You need to have a vision statement. And also, and all, not only a vision statement, but a mission statement. And good luck knowing which one is which. Well, one you see and one you want to do. Or one you do and one, I don't know. But you need to have them. And you need to write them down or you won't get anything done. Got to have a vision statement. And then after that, what do you need? You got to have a strategy. You gotta have a plan, step by step. You know, you know, nobody plans to fail, they fail the plan. 
And then you need to have a budget. Careful cost analysis. What was their vision? Go. What was their strategy? Follow. What was their budget? No idea. I don't even know if anybody even gave them a Pentecostal handshake on the way out. You know what a Pentecostal handshake is? If you know if you've got one, then you know. You shake hands with somebody. When you pull your hand away, you got a $20 reel in there. It's a wonderful handshake. But uh, it's, just, it's just the way the church launders money without anybody knowing it. <laughs> On camera. Yep. <laughs> oh, make me chuckle. But what we must see in this text is this. Everything begins with and depends upon a real, raw relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit-filled church. How should we live? What does this mean for us? Well, this whole next section in Acts is going to be about carrying on this, this emphasis of mission and message and expanding the influence of the gospel, the word of God around the world. And, if, and I know that we want to do that. We want to be part of that story. And if we do, then we, if we want to continue that, if we want to emulate that, then we need to pay attention to this flashpoint. Our first priority is an agendaless devotion to the Holy Spirit. To ministering to him. Not for pre-selected outcomes, but for, a f for our affection and his influence. Come, Holy Spirit. Just come. Come and fill us and form us and flow through us. We honor you. Just honor the dove. Just honor. Fasting is not about what I give up so much as what I give. Just giving the Lord my time and attention. Prayer, devotion, worship. We must recognize and celebrate that the Holy Spirit is in charge of his church. This is his church. And he has work for us to do, doesn't he? He has work for us to do, and he calls us to do that work. All of us. Somebody say all of us. All of us have a grace to serve. All of us have a grace that we can give, that we can contribute, that we can minister. And we should do everything that we do as doing the very work we've been summoned to do. We should view it as this is what I'm called to do, and if I'm called to do it, I'm going to do it accordingly. I'm doing what the Holy Spirit wants me to do. The Holy Spirit will reveal and affirm his call on our life through the worshiping community. Paul likes to say in his letters, Paul, I'm an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, not sent by man, but sent by God. And so it sounds like he was just stood up in the middle of the desert and said, I'm an apostle, deal with it. But that's not what happened. He knew he was sent by, how did he know he was sent by God? Because the worshiping community affirmed it. We recognize and we respond and we affirm his calling with and to one another. We partner with the Holy Spirit, not him with us. He's the senior partner. It all begins with a worshiping community. It all continues with a worshiping community. It all depends upon a worshiping community. And there is a draft. 
Every one of us, every one of us are a part of the body. Every one of us have a call and a gift and a part to play. Can't say that enough. If you believe that, say amen. amen. You should say it louder and clearer. Amen. amen. Everybody, we are all special cogs in the big wheel of the thing. Right? Joints and tendons and tissues and ligaments that all work together for the body to work. Yeah. And yet I have to, we have to acknowledge this, that in the, in the mystery of God, in the, in, the, in the way the Lord leads his church, and yet there is a draft. There is a call to serve the Holy Spirit by serving his church. It is not an elevation. It's an apron. Sometimes we call it vocational ministry or just a call to the ministry. And that's perfect except for that everybody has a ministry. Sometimes we mean pastoring. Sometimes we mean a missionary or an evangelist. But what we mean is that somehow we know there is a call on some to serve others in a special way. You may right now feel that call. You may have felt it or you may feel it. I'm going to ask us just to bow our heads across this room. I'm going to ask us to respond to that today. You may have felt it. You may feel it. And there might be some that are like Saul. That think, I don't check any of the boxes for what it, I think it looks like to have that call in my life. But I just know it's there. You may wonder what box you fit in. That's, listen, my friend, that's not your call. Your call, your only response is to say yes. This is his church, his call, his mission, his plan. You are called to him. Come on, Jesus. You are called to him. And all you need to be willing to do is say yes to him. Some of you have felt that call and you know it and you celebrate it. I'm talking to you. I want, I want to affirm that today. Some of you are maybe feeling it early and you've never acknowledged it. But you want to be like Isaiah in chapter in, in 6 to 8 when he said, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Here am I, Lord. I, I'm not used to getting picked. I identify with that. I, I made the mistake of trying to play basketball. Absolutely was not picked for any team. But when it comes to the kingdom raise my hand in the back of the room and say Lord if you're willing send me right now in this room I believe can we stand together you may feel that call you may feel it today you may have felt it before let me tell you friend you don't need to figure it out you don't need to sell it to somebody you don't need to shove it on anybody. You don't need to demand attention or affirmation. All you need to do is say yes to the Holy Spirit. He's calling you to himself for the work that he has for you to do. So right now, I wanna, I'd want i like to pray with you this morning. I'd like to pray with you. We as a worshiping community would just want to pray over you this morning. If you feel, have felt, or feel that call, to serve the Holy Spirit by serving His church in a special way. Can I ask you to come from where you are right now and join me? Come on, join me right now. Some of you need to return. You need to let the Holy Spirit breathe on embers that have been quietly burning. 
Some of you need to have the Lord breathe upon and, and resurrect a dream or a hope that you thought had been obfuscated by time and circumstance. But you need to say yes today. Come on, just come right to the center, right to the front. We can spread out a little bit. somebody feels their hands on them. You're a member of this house. You love Jesus and you're a member of this house. People need you to put your hands on them today. Zables, come help me. The whole crew. Come put your hands on these people. I need more hands on more people. Hold back row. Let's move. Put your hands on these people. Come around. Make sure everybody's with somebody. Put your hands on them. You don't have to figure it out. Don't worry about what box you fit in. His first call is to himself. His first call is to himself. His first call is to himself. Say yes to the Holy Spirit. There's a world to reach. There's needs to meet. There's stuff to do before Jesus comes. Everybody's got hands on them and just pray, just bless what I have, I share with you. Who we are, we share with you. We commit to the you to the grace of God. Come on, pray over them right now. You ready to go? Ready? All right. Lead us in that chorus. Keep praying.
thanksgiving in this hour. We love you, Lord. We bless your holy name. Friends, if you want to stay and pray and wait upon the Lord, the, the team is just going to minister this song for a while. You can stay as long as you like in the presence of God. If you'd like to go, find your kids. But where you go, we go. Go in the grace of the Lord Jesus.